Hey, Transform Podcast listeners, we weren't able to record a new episode this week. So instead, we asked our community what one of their favorite sermons was, and this is what they selected. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Have you ever had an outdoor summer gathering, but then a rainstorm just came up on you? All right, some of you are like laughing and nodding your head because this happens quite frequently in Denver, does it not? Okay, so it tends to happen here, and it happened to me at a summer social gathering. And so I had it all planned out. Um, I even got some round tables from right over there from the church. I just borrowed them without asking. Um, And then I took them to uh, the backyard and put it on this uncovered part of the backyard. And so kind of had it all planned out. And the, the weather app looked clear going into the day. But you guys know how this works, right? You wake up, and then you see the clouds and the lightning image, and you're like, okay, so how do I fix this? Um, So I go into the weather app and try to um, look at what the radar is saying in terms of what time. You know, the gathering is going to be at 6 o'clock. And I had a lot of hope that it was going to blow over right before six o'clock based on the infallible map that was there um, and the infallible predictions that are coming. And so I had a lot of hope, but then everybody's gathered. And, And you guys, the reason why this was like a big deal to me is don't you prefer to eat your food with a table? Um, it's nice to eat with a table rather than just paper plates standing up. And so I kind of wanted this for our guests. And then lo and behold, 6 o'clock rolls around. There's all these people and their children at our home. And then it just starts pouring down rain. Um, and so then I said, okay, well, I, I can fix this, you know. Um, so when it stops raining, um, I have a lot of towels that I had accumulated um, and I had my towel team. So I had like friends that were there that were gonna help with the towel team. And so whenever the storm like kind of stopped, it would kind of pause for particular moments. And then we would just kind of grab all these towels, run out, and we would dry up the table and the chairs. And this happened, I think, a couple of times during the social gathering. I'm not kidding, this is all a real story. Um, and then uh, one of my friends who was a part of the towel team, she goes, Andrew, 
I think we need to stop worrying about this because no one wants to sit all the way down here anyway. Um, and then another friend was there, and he was from Oregon. So he goes, man, I'm used to outdoor social gatherings all the time. Um, and so finally, um, it stopped raining, and it kind of calmed down. But I think that I was too focused on the storm that I wasn't paying attention to other things going on. I was so focused on the storm that I wasn't paying attention to all of the great people that were there in front of me. Um, and so I kind of wished that the storm would, you know, be over faster. I kind of wished for a shorter duration than two hours. Um, but I was so focused on the storm that I kind of missed out on some other things that night. And so yesterday, I kind of was curious about this. Like, why does Denver have so many storms in the summertime? Do any of you know that? So this is kind of my condensed Andrew version that I can understand. But I Googled it. Um, and what I found out is that you have a combination of warm temperatures, and then you have mo moisture coming from the Gulf of Mexico. And they're called surface winds. So this combines for there to be a sto storms. And then in the months of July and August, they even have a name for this season. It's called the monsoon season. Um, and so this is why there's all these storms that occur for your um, social gatherings in the summer. The education is always free. Um, so now you just heard this story that was read to us about the Sea of Galilee. And there is a big storm. It, was there not? It sounded like this storm was significant. And then here's what I would tell you. The Sea of Galilee, check this out with me, 700 feet below sea level, warm waters coming up from this sea. So if you were to go to the Mediterranean Sea right now in that kind of that area, it's, it's warm waters. You could dive right in and you'll feel great. Um, so there's this combination of warmth coming from the sea but then 30 miles northeast is Mount Hermon, which is 9,200 feet high. So you have cold air coming from the mountains, warm air coming from the sea. And so this combines for some impressive thunderstorms that occur there even till this day. Now, as I was looking at this passage, though, and reading, we're going through the Gospel of Mark right now. And it says that the disciples, four of them are fishermen. So they've been through this sea before, right? So it shouldn't have phased them so much. But it says that this particular storm kind of really scared them. So they were really scared as they were on the boat. And so this must have been a powerful storm. So we're going through this series in the Gospel of Mark. And the campus pastor and I have titled this sermon today, the power, the power. And certainly some storms have power, don't they? That we go through in life. My heart today is not to preach at you as I've kind of gone through several storms that have been quite burdensome. And so in the midst of all of those, you don't tend to feel like you have all of the answers, right? Like, I, I know all the answers, and I'm going to share it with you today. And then, but, but see, what I'm hoping for today 
as we talk about the storms of life, that there would be some biblical truth and hope and comfort from Jesus, the Son of God, that you can have to take away from this text for your life. Because as we know, the storms will come. And that's just a part of life living in a fallen world. Um, all right, so let's kind of go back over this text together. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, on that day when evening had come. Okay, so also just like really quick, you're going to notice in this narrative a lot of historical details that have nothing to do with the plot. Um, and Richard Bauckham, who is a scholar, says, this is how you can figure out uh, the difference between a historical narrative in the first century versus a fictional story. He says, the fictional stories, everything kind of orchestrates towards the narrator's point he's making. Uh, but what you're going to notice, and you'll, you'll kind of see it as we go, is Richard Bauckham says there's a lot of like detail that have nothing to do with the story here. And so uh, it says, when evening had come, he had said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He said, let us go across to the other side. As I was reading this this week and kind of preparing for this message, I felt when I read this, I felt an overwhelming feeling of emotion in this particular season of life uh, for my family. But then Jesus, who is sovereign and all-knowing, he knows the future, says, let us go to the other side. Now, we know that Jesus knows the future. He told Peter, tonight you're going to deny me three times, and he predicted that, and it happened. There's several parts in the narratives where he's predicting the future as the Son of God, and then it happens exactly how he predicts. And so he knows that there's going to be a storm. Now, what I would tell you is this. This is my human nature. Is my human nature is like, can we go home instead? Why do we need to go across now? Let's go home where there's shelter. So, like, now, if you're in the midst of a storm right now in your life, uh, I think that there's likely many of you here that there's a kind of storm you're in or... You're like, praise be to God, my storm has calmed now. <laughs> the questions that come up typically are why. Like, why now? Why this way? Or you're, you're kind of one of those optimistic, like positive faith-filled people. And I, I love you, okay? I love your presence in my life. There's a, there is a friend that is like that. She's a friend of our family, and she's just always encouraging. No matter the storm she's going in, she always can find that silver lining to encourage you. And man, we need those people in our life, do we not? All right, so now in the midst of the storm, there's all those questions that can occur, and we ask why. But here is kind of a, a paradigm that I hope will help you. It's helped me. And so I pray that some of these takeaways would be helpful for your life. As Martin Luther, the great reformer and theologian, distinguishes between the hidden God and the revealed God. So there are things in this life he has hidden from us 
that we don't know the answer to. And I would tell you this, the more you dive in that direction, unless you have a friend who's like a prophet, you may not get all the answers that you need. But then there's the revealed God. And he reveals himself through his apostles, his prophets, through Jesus, who we're reading about, who's revealing himself in this particular event to the disciples. And then the more we go to the revealed God, the more we set our mind on what he has revealed and what we know to be true, the more he gives us peace and guidance in the midst of the storm. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, I know why this happened. It happened because of a choice, or I know it happened because of a sinful decision. But then there are other things that happen in life just simply due to living in a fallen world, right? That there is disharmony between our creator and us due to sin. Um, And so there's a fallen world, and because of that lack of harmony, we're fallen. And then there are things, there are storms that can come, and we're like, I didn't choose that, right? But then in the midst of that, God says, invites us to go to what's been revealed okay, in the scriptures. And that's what we come here every Sunday to do. And then here's one thing that he tells us through this text. Is that storms in life will happen even to people that Jesus loves. Such as his disciples and you and me that those storms are gonna happen. So kind of if we're living this life, not expecting those storms, it's gonna be a little bit of an interruption, is it not? But here is what he has revealed about the purpose of our existence on this earth, that we exist to be conformed to the image of the Son of God and then to one day visibly see him face to face. I don't want you to miss that this morning. That is your purpose in life according to what has been revealed, to become like Jesus and then to one day visibly meet Jesus face to face and be like him. So in the midst of the storm, I want to encourage you to ask, how can this storm be used by God to make me more in my character like Jesus Christ? All right, so that's this first kind of thought, and then we're going to continue. Verse uh, 36 to 38. It says, in leaving the crowd, so Jesus was actually uh, teaching parables on a boat at this time, and there's a bunch of people there watching him. It says, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. So this is just detail, just for you, just in case you're curious. They weren't prepared to go on a boat ride. They thought he was just going to preach some sermons. All right, but then they said they just took him just as he was, and other boats were with him. So that's just what was there. It has nothing to do with the point of the story. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Any of you here feel like your boat is filling right now? But he was in the stern, asleep. Jesus is asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever felt like in the midst of your storm, Jesus is asleep at the wheel? And you're like, okay, Jesus, what's going on right now? 
That is exactly how the disciples are feeling and thinking at this particular time. Um, it seems like in my life or the Farhat family's life, it seems like storms come like every three years. I don't know if that's always true, but it seems to be generally true for us. So in 2019, here's some things that I remember. And what I do remember is that there were frequent illnesses. Like I was getting sick like every month, like every single month. And I'd say, God, how am I going to be a pastor here if I'm sick all the time? Um, so I just kept on getting sick and sick and sick. And then I realized it's because I shake a lot of hands on Sundays. So I shake everybody's hands at both services. And then COVID hit, and the silver lining of COVID is it taught me to fist bump instead. <laughs> uh, so now I just fist bump, I sanitize. I actually don't, I try not to grab hold of a doorknob. And so I do a lot of this and this to doors. But by God's grace, I don't get sick very much anymore. So thanks, there's silver lining. Um, but then there, I remember there were frequent hospital visits to my daughters. Okay, so at that time, it was like, okay, so Miriam's 15 now, Layla's 13. But at the time, it was like, okay, I'm in pain. I have pain here, I have pain here, I'm in pain. So then what we did is we went to the children's hospital for the evening to get usually like a cocktail of drugs that would make them feel better for the evening. Uh, but then the next day, they'd be back in pain. Uh, and so this pain kind of kept coming, and then we're taking them out of class to drive all the way to the children's hospital, which, as you know, isn't close to Wash Park. Um, and, so, and then they have sports and activities, and we're just like, man, we, we're having trouble doing it all. Um, and so then, in addition, uh, Daisy and I were having marriage challenges. I don't know if you've ever had those before. Uh, but it seemed like in the evenings, we were resolving something. And we're trying to resolve something in time so we could get to bed. Um, and then in addition, due to everything, and then due to having trouble sleeping, it felt like we were running on fumes. So sometimes when there's a storm, you hustle harder. You hustle harder. You, you, you just, you run harder and harder and harder, but you don't sleep and you don't rest and make time for that. And then it just seemed like there was an attack, like there's triggers all of the time. And I, it felt like an attack to the point where we were just discouraged by these triggers. And then in addition, this is weird, our cars kept breaking down. So um, our cars just kept breaking down. Moral of the story, don't buy Chevrolet. Um, <laughs> Four-wheel drive is awesome, but, you know, it's great, but everything keeps breaking down. Um, so, and then in addition to that, Daisy, my wife, got into a car accident with Abraham and, Ju and Judah she was pregnant with. By God's grace, we got through it, and we, it was just a scare, and they were all fine. But then to top off the car narrative, a tree fell onto my Suburban in front of my driveway after a windstorm. And then to top it all off, finally Judah's born, our, our baby, and then they say he can't breathe very well. He doesn't breathe right, so here's some oxygen to take home. Now, I would say this. It's off. Relax. Uh, here, I would say this. 
Some of you have been through much worse than this. This is nothing. Like, we have insurance, you know? So insurance helped with a lot of these things. We, we live in the Mile High City, so it's common for breathing issues. Babies have this all of the time. Um, some of you have been through different, worse or different. And some of you are wondering if God abandoned me in 2019. In the midst of all of that, I want to highlight this question. It's the latter part of verse 38. Do you not care? Have you ever asked that? So then here's what happens. And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So there's a calm after the storm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear before they were afraid of the storm. Now they're like, who is this man? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So what you see in this historical event is Jesus, with a word, has power with his word, with the authority of his word, and he says, peace, be still. He doesn't plead with the Father and say, please do something. He doesn't do any kind of abracadabra. He's not an illusionist. Okay, so in our day, there's illusionists. In the first century, there's also illusionists that were known people at this time. No one in history has done anything like this. At this point in the narrative of the gospel, Jesus is revealing his identity to the disciples. And that what he wants them to know, what he wants you to know, what he wants me to know, what he wants us all to know and believe and embrace is that Jesus is God that he has come in the flesh to reveal God to us so that we can have a relationship personally with God so that Jesus would even say this, when you see me, you see my father. In the 11th century, there was a king by the name of King Canute, and he had some followers that really adored him. Uh, we never do that to any political figures in, in our uh, season or era, do we? Uh, but they had great adoration for King Canute, and they were praising him one day excessively. So King Canute wanted to make a point, and the point that he was making was this, because in, in this particular time, uh, they believed that the waters, when there's a storm, the waters are unmanageable. They are unmanageable. The storms are unmanageable. And they believed only God can calm storms. So to prove that he's not divine, he walks up to the shore, and the waves are flowing in to the shore, and he says, be still, or something like that, to calm the storm. And of course, the waves kept on raging. And so he looked at his followers and said, am I divine? His point is, I'm not. But in the midst of this whole historical narrative, and in the midst of your storm right now, 
The question that I would ask you is this. Are you more focused on the storm or are you focused on Jesus? It's easy to really try to focus on the storm, to fix the storm, to hustle harder in the midst of the storm. But I pray that as we kind of take some spiritual takeaways for our lives, that these takeaways would hopefully in some way bless and encourage you as we face these storms that will come. And the first one is this, and um, I was talking to my wife on on a bench yesterday as we were at my child, our three-year-old was playing at, at the playground. And what my wife Daisy said is, one thing that comforts me is that God is all-knowing and that he knows me even better than I know myself. And I want to encourage you with Psalm 139 because Jesus is all-knowing. As the Son of God, Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 and verse 16 says this. I hope that this comforts you. It says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And this is verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's a takeaway here that I think my mom tried to get across to me as I was growing up a lot, um, but it didn't register. But she kept on saying to me, Andrew, what will be, will be. And then I would just say, you're not living that out. So, um, (laughs) God is all-knowing. We could spend a lot of time worrying about the future, what the outcomes of particular storms are going to be. But Jesus says this to us all. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has sufficient trouble of its own. The only time you can live is today. Life is happening now. And so I pray that these truths would comfort you in the now, because life is happening right now. And then number two, wait on God, and don't be impulsive. This is easy to do, isn't it? Right? Wait on God. This week, I was in the community room, and I ran into a friend, and he goes, Andrew, how are you doing? So he's a friend that I actually answered the question honestly. I don't say, oh, I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit and peace and contentment today. (laughs) But rather, I was like, take things one day at a time, okay? But then I remember I said this, but I wish that the storm would cease and be over. So there's a duration to storms, but don't you sometimes feel like, hey, let's... Let's calm it. And then there's other people involved, and you're like, can they hurry up? (laughs) So that's, that's what I said. But here is what I would tell you in the midst of storm and waiting on God. This is something I've learned, and I pray 
that you take this away today. It's not about the storm, but it's about who you become in the midst of the storm. It's a lot, I feel like it's a lot like weight training. Like, you don't feel like waking up again and doing it again. Like, I'm too, t- I'm too tired. I don't feel like doing this again. And my children are all in my way, and they put toys all where I'm trying to exercise. Like, I don't feel like doing this again. And then often, too, do you ever feel like, I don't even want to finish the exercise. Like, let's just stop the video. Or if you're on a jog or you're doing whatever you do, do you ever just feel like, I don't want to finish it? Okay. Our character and our growth in the storms are a lot like the stress put on our muscles. That God uses the adversity, he uses the stress to grow some spiritual muscle. I ran into a friend after a memorial service yesterday, and he was sitting right there. And he has, in the past three years, it seems like surgery after surgery after surgery. He's in his mid-60s now. And just a lot of sicknesses and surgeries. But now, the storm has ceased. And he's feeling just this calm. So I said to him, I said, hey, uh, what are your kind of takeaways? How did you grow in the midst of all of that? And I wasn't trying to teach him anything. I just wanted to see, because he's a very wise man. And so he just goes, God was teaching me and showing me that I needed to care more about my spiritual well-being than my physical well-being. And that he said, the spiritual is eternal, but the physical is the things that we're hyper-focused on and that are physical are just temporary. And then he said, God also was forming me to be a witness of my faith, that I would walk my talk and not just talk a lot about my faith, but actually live it out and be able to use my story to minister to others who are suffering and going through stuff. And so I would just, there's some deep truth right there that often we get so focused on the physical and then we get healed by God sometimes and we forget about him pretty quick. God is is mostly focused on forming us into the image of Christ because one day we will see him face to face and his kingdom will have no end. And then this is a tie-in from last Sunday as I want to tell you this. We flex our muscles during the storm, but then you need to rest your muscles too. What's Jesus doing in the middle of all this? He's sleeping. I would encourage you, if you're hustling in the middle of a storm right now, you need to set aside moments and times and days of rest and restoration or else you're going to burn out. Martin Luther, the great reformer, a big hero in my journey, says this. He's very authentic. He's a 16th century writer. He says, time heals many things, but worrying about them does not. Nothing has hurt me more than worrying, especially at night. I don't know if any of you can relate to this. I certainly can. Third takeaway. 
Make your requests to God. The disciples, did they stop talking to Jesus? No. They kept on saying, Jesus, we need your help. Jesus, we're calling upon you. And I want to encourage you with this scripture from Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Paul, uh, the apostle, says, do not be anxious about anything. Wow. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, to practice gratitude, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there is a peace, there is a hope that's transcendent, that is unlimited, that is above, that we can receive as we pray and as we connect with an all-knowing, all-loving God. And it is Jesus who is that God. And I want to encourage you with Romans 8.34. It says in that scripture that he is praying for you. Okay, so that he is, is talking to the Father on your behalf. That he is your go-between to God. And this is not just anybody praying uh, for you. But it says these titles about Jesus, that he is mighty God. God of the whole earth, Savior, Emmanuel, the Creator, the Alpha and the Omega, the power of God, the Good Shepherd, the Tree of Life, the Bread of God, the Light of the World, your Rock and your Refuge, that's the one who is interceding for you. And so, I also pray that you'll take this away today. It's not about the quality of your faith, but about the object of your faith. Okay, so if a man were falling off of a cliff, let's say, and there was a branch that is horizontally sticking out, he's going to grab hold of that branch, is he not? He doesn't know how strong the branch is for sure, but what he's going to do is put out his hand. So he attaches to the branch, but what is holding him is not the quality of his reach, but the strength of the branch. And what I would tell you is, it's not about the quality of your faith, but the object of your faith. And please hear this from me. The object of our faith is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to give us eternal life, eternally with him. And on the cross, he took our sin to reconcile us to the Father, and then on the third day, he rose again from the dead, conquering death historically, demonstrating it powerfully so that you would be with God eternally, forever and ever. That's where your faith rests. So it's not about do I have, like do, am I believing enough, but rather we rest on his power and his promises in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then this Jesus saves you from the ultimate storm. And that would be eternal death, eternal destruction. He could have abandoned the mission in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was going to go to the cross. But he said, I'm not going to abandon my people in the midst of this storm eternal death but he enters into that storm to take death on the cross 
take it all, to take the only suffering that can destroy us, the really. And he gives us forgiveness, righteousness, reconciliation, and a relationship that is personal and living with his father. And then one day, all storms will cease and there will be calm. And the scriptures say this, what no eye has seen nor ear has heard that God has prepared for those who love him. That your sufferings are not in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. That your light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And may those truths today sink deeply in our hearts and our minds when we're going through storms because Jesus calms the storm from within. He calms it here. With the truth of his peace, with the truth of his life, and with the truth of the resurrection from the dead. And I pray that that peace which surpasses all understanding, that it may guard your heart, that it will guard your mind through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.